Hello and welcome to Normal Mapping, episode 139. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. It's 2023 and there's time for the gaming. Is there? Yeah, I guess there's a little bit. Not like there used to be. <laughs> Not like there used to be. <laughs> um, and we're joined by a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ember. Hello, welcome back. Uh, we're here to talk about some more games. Yeah. Um... Ember, what have you played this month that is not uh, our game club? Um, I have fallen into a Fire Emblem-shaped hole for the past, like, two weeks. Or how yeah, long that, it's been that, since that, it came out. That came out recently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how is uh, it? So, I, I, I think neither of you are particularly into that genre space, so I don't think you'll maybe be familiar with this, but um, the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, I'm weirdly, I, I have not played uh, Fire Emblem in a while, but I did fall into like Fire Emblem YouTube this year, so I'm like weirdly familiar with like fandom discourse about Fire Emblem without actually playing that much. So I am genuinely curious about, about I, um, what you got. I I played Sacred Stones and GBA and uh, Path of Radiance and uh, Awakening and tried to play Three Houses, but didn't like any of the micromanaging Persona stuff. So this is the first Fire Emblem in a while where I'm like, this looks kind of all right. <laughs> Oh, well, um, you're, you're very familiar with what I'm about to say then, which is that I still think I prefer when Fire Emblem was just like, you do a mission and then the story moves forward and you do the next mission and then that's it. And yeah. this is another game like Three Houses where there's just an infinite amount of like side stuff you can do, both like just optional missions and um, things like that, um, as well as like eating food with your party members to get buffs and whatever. And I don't mind that stuff, but um, if you're someone who is looking for that old experience, I think the most recent game that came out is a Japanese-only game called uh, New Mystery of the Emblem that has a fan translation, and I recommend that one a lot. But Engage is still fun. I'm having a good time with it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been playing it for the past two weeks, so... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I know it still has, like, the best... It's weird. I, I know that, like... Uh, I didn't know it said all the like hanging out with people stuff. It has all the hanging out with people stuff, but it, it, the thing it took out is like the um, social management systems on like a schedule. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't played it, but it's peeking in, getting very curious. Um, this is a game I'll probably never play in my life, uh, but I'm, I would like to play a, a Fire Emblem. This one's just in, uh, like so far away because I would go, well, I can't play the anniversary game without being familiar with all the other Fire Emblems. Um, yeah. You can go play uh, Fire Emblem. Uh, I will probably, if I, I am curious about Fire Emblem because I've been looking in from a distance. If I'm going to play one, it will be like Genealogy of the Holy War or something. Um, it's probably where I'll go in and get really annoying about that. Yeah, as someone who's played like every... I think every Fire Emblem, or at least pretty close to it. Like, when, you know, like, Lynn shows up, or even when I'm, there's, there's a mechanic where you can make, like, um, extra what are called rings based on each of the characters that you have a ring for, and those characters are, like, the other characters from that character's game. So, like, if you make a ring from Lynn, you get, like, Hector or whatever from, from her game. Um, and I recognize all these characters, so like the fan service at least kind of kind of hits, even if I'm not a, usually a big fan of like fan service stuff. Yeah. But uh, if you've never played a Fire Emblem before and you're going into this, and the game is like, here's this character that we're assuming you know, um, and you're supposed to be excited about it, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that, I've always, I've been curious how like much it would um, deliver on that because I look at it, I'm like, I guess it's an anniversary game, but I assume that they try to design it in a way that's like a crossover comic. Like, I assume they want you to watch it, or, or I guess like a, like a Toku movie is another good example of like you watch it, you see the lord from the game you think oh they're cool i should check out their game uh, i don't know if it's like good enough to sell you on the personalities of the like people that's bringing in for the fan service yeah it, one of the problems that it has is that because there's like all of these um characters from the past games that you you can interact with and then all of the characters from the current game and they all have interactions with each like interaction like little social link cutscene kind of things with each other all of those cutscenes are pretty short. Like some of them are as short as like one line of dialogue from each character. And there's like, you know, 2000 of them are some absurd number total, but like there's not a lot of meat to any individual one. So it might not work for that purpose. Like you see Marth say one thing to a character and you're like, Oh, I want to go play his game now. <laughs> I guess there's just like, there's just too many. There's so many people and so many different support combinations to, to write that no individual one can be that in-depth. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. That's that's cool. Like it, it, I've been looking at him and like, oh, one day maybe I'll get into Fire Emblem. Probably not this one, but I'm glad this one looks cool. Uh, I'm pro the character design. I know that's not necessarily the the going take uh, elsewhere, but you know, I think everyone looks pretty appealing. I agree. I also like Hakko's Bale from Hollow Live uh, Council. Uh, yes, I don't think the VTuberness <laughs> is like a... De- I just oh look at this anime bullshit. I'm like it's, it's fire. I saw it. I was like oh that that's a cool design. It looks like Hakos. And then yes, it, that's just Bay's character designer. So good, good. I'm glad I can identify a thing at a thousand paces. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, that's cool. Thank you, uh, Jackson. Oh God, I've played um, uh, Final Fantasy two, three, and four. <laughs> uh, you just went in. I went in. I will not stop going in. Uh, two and three are like some of the games I've actually had on my like. These are Final Fantasy games I haven't played um, for ages, and you know I played one finally last year after. Would you like trying. to tell people what versions you played first? That's so, most yes. important. So I play. I I was getting to that. I played one like the NES version a little bit, and then it was just too hard, and annoying to like commit to. And then last year decided this weird like obsessing over versions it just means i've played no versions which is worse that's the actual bad outcome i should just play something and then not worry about it uh so i played the pixel remaster versions of two and three um after playing the psp version of one uh in hindsight i probably should have played the pixel remaster version of one it wasn't like i was doing the extra fucking psp content um so there you go uh but takes on 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 these is that final fantasy 2 fantastic game did yeah, you punch yourself in the face a lot? Um, n- not really punch myself in the face, uh, but I did do the thing where, like, uh, I was able to beat an early, like, the early guards in the city of Finn uh, that are meant to just not be able to beat, <laughs> and um, was able to get very powerful very quickly. Uh, <laughs> nice. I t- I took I basically turned everyone to a monk. I took everyone's weapon off them and then like you have to buy any new weapons and they're also if you're like hitting enough guys, you're just outpacing the level curve so dramatically. <laughs> oh interesting. I um I'm always like Furion swords and a little bit of magic and uh you know, the way the the game wants you to do it. 
Yeah, but what if you had four monks and then no one could... Everyone's dead in the first turn. It doesn't make a difference. I just think it's boring is ultimately my thing with the four monks is I think it's like just a very un- uncool way to play a video game. You are correct. Like, I did just cruise through the game uh, yeah. and literally just walked to the end without any problem uh, because I did, like, the prep work um, to make it the doable. I think, like, the balance of that system is... I mean, it's like Final Fantasy VIII, right? Like, if you want to completely trivialize the game by doing some stuff, you can do that, and then you can just walk through the rest of the game. It's very easy. Uh, but it's true. also malleable enough to uh, be something you can actually engage with as you go. Uh, but the real thing is just, like, the story's really good. Uh, it's very restrained because it's a NES game, but, like, there you got some guys. you got Minwoo, classic guy. Uh, you got Joseph, uh, all the guys that, that, like, keep sacrificing themselves as it goes through this fake Star Wars plot. Um it's just really good. Uh, I think the tone's incredible. Uh, the Emperor's just the best Final Fantasy villain straight up. End, end of story. And there's no that one else that can beat. That is just true. Yes. Uh, he died. You killed him. And then he went to hell and became the Emperor of Hell. There's nothing. You can't beat that. <laughs> um, and it just made me think like, so much is lost with the fact that every Final Fantasy near has to be like, you've played seven remake it's long conversations and it's not like thematically that much more it's not like there's so much more dense things going on it's just long conversations of stuff happening to the same broad plot points uh and uh this game being all like a few lines and brief gestures towards big ideas that are cool uh is it's very good i I would love to see a more stripped back approach to these rpgs again but that, that 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 ship sailed um and three, I liked a lot less. I thought it was a bit fiddly and the class system was annoying. Um, I think that like the early world progression is utterly fantastic. Uh, as a the moment where you leave your like a starting map to get to the, the main map is a classic moment for a reason. Everyone knows what, the, what I'm talking about there. If you've not played yeah. three, uh, there are still some fantastic moments. Um, but uh, it was worse on the character front. It had a few like... It's a few homies that uh, you would hang out with and would like join your party, but they didn't. They didn't. They weren't like actual members, like in two. And your characters are all like completely stock nothing that are ended up being treated like one person. It's like the princess wants to date all four of you. Um, yes. And it's just a little awkward. It doesn't quite like work narratively. Uh, the instead of being a, a cool story about the emperor of hell, it's the most generic story about all. The, the villain light was, was light, uh, light and darkness and i was like man even in the nest era this could be really boring um and so three was it was less it was still totally fine it wasn't like the worst game ever uh but it was definitely one of the weaker final fantasies i've played and then instead of moving on to like five which is the next one i, the, I actually have to clear off my list i just went straight into uh four for the, the snes i played the naming way edition um which we you know covered years and years and years ago uh and i i liked it even more this time because i just didn't have the context for just how good Final Fantasy IV was. Um, and it's it's great. It's just fantastic. Uematsu arrives. Uh, Tucker's doing like little plays with every little guy. Um, one of the one of the best lineup of parties that Final Fantasy have ever had in four. Uh, you know, you got Power and Porum, just classic. You got Yang. Uh, you got <laughs> Cecil and, and Rosa, who are uh, Cecil being like wifed up is very good. Um, I like that dynamic. I know, like, uh, Rosa is criticized as being the most, like, all she does is care about Cecil, uh, like, female protagonist in Final Fantasy, which is a common critique. But I do think 
that her specific way of doing that through the lens of like they're already together and she's like trying to like communicate with him is more interesting than the way that Tifa is just like Cloud's mother girlfriend. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, I just I just loved it. I was like, man, Final Fantasy Four. It, it's like twenty hours long. There's barely any dungeons until the the end when there's a massive dungeon. Yeah. Uh, classic game. Very happy I replayed it. It was went very fast. So yeah. I went in. All right. Um, I also uh, got to the part in Final Fantasy 3 where I was like, I'm done playing this and watch the rest on YouTube, which is a valid way to be fed up with a video game. Um, I got like 60, 70% in, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't like the battle system at all. I think the job system, by making the jobs not interact in any way, really rewards just, you know put a black mage, put a warrior in, put a white mage in and just do the, do the thing. Never deviate when you get the, the flat upgrade classes, flat upgrade your classes, but mixing and matching is punished unless it's the one boss every once in a while that requires you to pick a class you otherwise would never use because they're only weak to that class. There's like one we're literally like in the, the three areas leading up to the boss. Everyone's like, Oh, you know, the, the feeble dragoon would take out this boss and you've just got a dragoon class just a little while ago. So you make everyone dragoons and you kill the boss in like two turns and otherwise it would just wipe out your party. And it's like, Oh, great. I I've, the Dragoon's still not like a character I want to use. Like you didn't do anything interesting here. I can't cross class in ways that are unique. Um, just a mess of ideas that are you almost every idea this game has. It's cool. You can find in four and five and they're better games. Also, um, the one thing, yes. the one thing in this game that is exceptional, and I can't believe they have never put this in another Final Fantasy is you meet four guys who claim to be the Warriors of Light. <laughs> um, and they're just like four, four, like npcs they're just like identical balding guys with like pink wild hair and mustaches who are like we're we're the warriors of light and they're just goofballs like they're they they act like mr saturn's basically um and they rush in as a team to like save you a couple times and they get in your way another couple times and uh they are constantly delightful and charming and i don't know why fake warriors of light is not like an enduring part of final fantasy lore um it's really good. They literally would yeah. not revisit this again until, I guess, Stranger of Paradise, where you play as fake Warriors of Light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure like 14's got some fake Warriors of Light somewhere in there. They almost have oh, to, Oh, it, right? it has to, right? It has to. Which game? 14. Um, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't played, but there's definitely a situation where there's, like, something involving other Warriors of Light, I guess I could say. No, I, okay. I assume that's a world you would go to because you know there's, there's a lot of that going on. It's also one of the only games in the last twenty years where there's actually been Warriors of Light. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They really moved away from this. Um, let's see what else. I um, so I'm going to be on a podcast uh, that's recording later this afternoon. Uh, Journal updated secondbestgame.club, also on the Android Mapping Network, about Pentiment, which I spent most of my month playing after I was done with Ender Lilies. Um, that'll be out in a couple days, so please look forward to that. Um, Pentiment's really good, is all I will say. I'm excited to talk about it later. One of the best um, games of last year. Yeah, it was, it's really exceptional. Um, I was very surprised by it. Um, on YouTube, me and Dia continue to play Space Quest. I finished Space Quest 2 Volhall's Revenge, which is a very bad video game, but I had a great time playing with Dia. You go to youtube.com slash Dia and uh, watch us play. We're currently about halfway through Space Quest 3, which is a much better game. Um, and they're just fun. Uh, that game is weird because it has... Uh, 
well, actually all of them, they just have terrible arcade mini games in them for no good reason. Um, there's a bit in space quest two where we just had to like cheat a slot machine. I was just like, we were just playing a slot machine for like almost an hour. And I was like, Dia, let me look up a code to cheat this. And thankfully they put one in. Um, there's a bad looter lander in space quest three that they did not put any cheat codes in. We just had to do it. Um, and that sucked. Um, I played a little to the left, um, which is a, uh, like a puzzle game, um, on, uh, PC. It might be on switch, uh, from Max Inferno. That's just about scenarios where you have to organize things, um, like papers or jars or whatever. It's all in like this very flat 2d, like illustrative style. Um, and it's just very pleasant. Um, I've been chipping away at that as I like, like before bed, um, when I'm playing video games before bed, um, I uh, think it's nice and cozy. Um, no story to speak of. You just organize things. And sometimes a cat comes by and swats your organization. Um, and it's annoying, but it doesn't like, there's no fail state. So you just kind of put stuff back and be like, damn cat. Um, as cats are wont to do. Uh, and then, um, I know I have another one. Oh, right. I'm playing for spoken. Um, all my homies are playing for spoken these days. Yes. Uh, so I really want to root for, for spoken world's biggest final Fantasy 15 fan. Um, this is definitely like, it feels like the game luminous production is going to put out right before they get shut down by square Enix. Cause they made two games in like 10 years and, uh, neither of them seem like they did exceptionally well. Um, Final Fantasy 15 is the best selling Final Fantasy game. Yeah, but they canceled it a year later. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, what are you going to do? I am torn on Forspoken. I'm still really early. I'm on my way to fight the first Tanta, if you know what that means. I'm like five hours in. Um, I think the like combat and movement is really interesting, but it's very slow to roll out. I desperately need new powers. I'm at this point now. I'm in the open world. And I just, everywhere, every time I decide to explore, I'm punished by stuff I don't have the abilities to do yet. Um, and it's really annoying. And I'm just like, well, I just, I'm just going to critical path until I get all the exploration mechanics, but then I'm probably going to be so close to the end of the game. Will I want to keep exploring the open world, even though that's the thing I want to do in the first place anyway. And it's really frustrating on that front. Mm. Um, when I'm just fighting guys, I'm having a pretty decent time. The like, it's very much like a circle strafe around a guy and like pepper him with a bunch of, uh, attacks kind of game. Um, in that way, it kind of gives me like Metroid prime vibes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just lock on a guy and just like hit all your spells, um, build up a sick combo. It has, it has a devil may cry style, like combo meter with like a score ranking. I turned that shit off. I didn't want to stress about that while I was playing. Um, and then the story much maligned, um, in terms of like the snark, uh, Austin Walker had a great piece on, um, the particular thing that drove him away from this, we're both playing this kind of at the same pace. We've been going back and forth on it. There's a bit, I'm going to spoil the thing in the first like four hours of, uh, for spoken. Do you care if I do that? No. Okay. So you get, you get Isakai into this fantasy land or whatever. You go to this first town and you meet this like young girl, um, who's basically Rue from the hunger games, like as a character design. Um, which is uh, already loaded because uh, your character uh, Frey is like a black woman from New York city. This is like the one other black character you've met, met as this young girl. And she's very hopeful. She's like a, like a homeless orphan or whatever. She's like, uh, you're here to save the town. And you're like, I'm not, I, I don't even think I could save myself much as anybody else. And she like takes your hands. Like you have to believe in hope and you go to a mission and you come back 
and uh the, the taunta has attacked the town she's like the evil witch lady and in doing that uh your young friend fucking dies and it's just like you look at her body she's already dead when you get back and she, you pick her up and you're like i swear i'm gonna swear vengeance on on the tauntas for doing this um and it's just such a like bald face like motivational bit you just feel the screenwriting class happening where it's like we need to set up stakes for Frey, so we need to give her a friend that was like her her herself as a kid that maybe she could save and be a parent to but then we're going to take that away from her so she wants to do revenge and like help people because otherwise we haven't given any other good reason that she would go on this adventure um and it's miserable there's just like not it's like if you're willing to do this for like really stock motivational reasons if you're asking for so much buy-in on everything else but you're just like going with the most fridge little girl um for that there's just i was talking to austin about it and austin was like yeah i just have no faith that they're going to tell a story worth telling and i'm like yeah no that's kind of where i was at it just was so deflating and i was really wanting to give it a chance and i'm still gonna play it and maybe it'll come back around maybe there'll be stuff there's potential i'm still really early but um it bummed me out way more than any of the like way too clever dialogue uh to just see ham-fisted script writing stuff um it was really unfortunate so you're saying they read i was gonna say they 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 read mickey's story but they didn't think too hard about it afterward (laughs) uh yeah uh that's basically how it goes I would actually argue they think too hard about Miss Robert McKee's story <laughs> as someone else who has read it. It's not a good book. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But yeah, that's it. Uh, I, mean, I don't think I have anything else. I've mostly been watching movies, so. Actually, that's not bad, considering I've mostly been watching movies. That's gaming. Yeah. This is a little bit of a tangent, but um, when you asked about, it was what I was thinking about when you asked about um, whether I care whether you spoil the intro to the game or not. There's like two ways that I go into a video game, which is either I never watch um, like previews or like trailers or anything. So Mm -hmm. if I see a game on a store and it speaks to me, like it just came out and it speaks to me, then I'll buy it day one and just play it blind. And if it Mm -hmm. doesn't, if, if a game doesn't immediately speak to me, I'll wait until literally everyone has played it and written about it and shared their opinions and thoughts on it. And then I'll go into it with that, like to to analyze it through all those different lenses at once and i think those are the two best ways to play games because like when i was younger i used to be really into like the hype cycle and i'd watch everything going up to it and then i'd have like expectations and it's just like not a not a good way to play games (laughs) yeah that's 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 typically how i do it this one i bought entirely off of luminous production i know people have been talking about it but i hadn't seen a trailer since the very first trailer really i don't really watch the trailer shows anymore um and so I kind of went in a little bit blind, um, which is fine. Um, I like I said, I bought it entirely off of I want to. I I wish this team got to make games that were good. I think this game has a lot of like good game design ideas in it, but none of the budget of fifteen, and it's saddled with a terrible would be um, Hollywood writing team, including Gary Whitta and uh, Amy Henning, who neither of which I'm particularly fond of their uh, prior works of. Um, and uh, you, you just see the mishmash. If this was just a game from Square Enix with the Square Enix writers on it, I think it'd be a much better game just instantly. Maybe a, a Square Enix uh, composer to Bear McCurry score, not doing much for it. it. The music thing makes me like furious in a way that's outsized because <laughs> I'm not like even playing it. But like, what's the one thing that even all the fucking haters of every single Final Fantasy game uh, 
Like, even the people that are like, oh, these JRPGs have got bad design and they're basically for gay idiots. Uh, none of them complain about the music. <laughs> none of them like, oh, I would be playing this, but the music's too Japanese. No one's ever said that in human history. <laughs> Why do you need to get a Hollywood guy for this? Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. those kinds of people also just don't care about the music in games in the first place. Because I remember how excited my friend was at the prospect like a long time ago about being able to replace the music in a game with your own music, um, which I don't think ended up being what, how that feature worked on Xbox. I don't remember. But back when like, the Xbox 360 was coming out. And, I did uh, that on Burnout Paradise. I absolutely loaded up my own music in that um, all the time. Well, I was I was disappointed by the um, uh, Xbox 360 implementation of that because on, on the original Xbox, you would burn you burn discs to the drive and then it'd be like game level implementation. So like Tony Hawk's could do a custom playlist of, of your burn tracks. Uh, but on the 360, it was like a system level thing and it was up to the game, whether they would even acknowledge that. And then yeah. now it's a system level thing and no game. And you have to like turn down the levels yourself. Um, whereas I, back in the day, you could put on a custom playlist and the game would actually like stop playing at its cutscenes and everything. And man, better world this is the thing i'm doing about is when i was playing tony looks pros get a four doing this yeah i'm also just not playing the games that are really conducive to that at this point and if i am i'm like watching youtube while i'm like grinding in an rpg or something um uh yeah uh there's not really any um this I, I, there are a few situations where i would want want to uh different soundtrack but yeah less so these days um but it, it's it's the, the the reception to this game more broadly is so strange to me because it's it's like very loaded, right? There's been a lot of loaded discourse about Forspoken, um, in ways that are valid. Right? I'm not like dismissing that. I think the points are valid, but I do think there's like not as much broad level acknowledging like just what a no man's land this game is in, like audience wise, um, like beyond the like you know weird culture war that's uh built up around the combination of are you angry about uh marvel dialogue or are you angry about like a black woman protagonist um like this is because uh, that's been like the, the main argument but there's been less i've seen about like th- this is you're putting like the the jrpg people and the horizon people in the same room to make a thing that pisses them both off like i, I don't understand <laughs> like why square enix would make these decisions um me every day put that on a soundboard i don't understand why square enix would make these decisions uh and it's a shame because there was a video of him the the lead actress going around where she was like getting her ps5 and she's just like a (laughs) very charismatic posh british lady uh from south london and i was like you could have just put this why is she doing a bad new york accent because uh, because there's no you can't put a posh british lady in a downtrodden it literally opens with her about to go to jail because of the three strikes law and the judge takes pity on her because it's christmas it's like i'm gonna give you one more chance yeah i see some of the opening it's, it's cartoonish. the opening is the opening is atrocious it's the most miserable writing and i don't just mean like the dialogue i mean the idea of what like poverty and like gang violence and like the justice looks like it's just Man, a bunch of middle-aged white people wrote this. And that's true when you look at the writing credits. Uh, yeah. She gets, like, jumps in an alley by, like, you know, the gang who have, like, a sideways gun on the bucket hat looking like they fell out 2003 video games. It's like, damn. Uh, uh, yeah, it's all really bad. I, but then, you know, the game itself seems... I enjoy playing it. 
I got into a dungeon. I went through the dungeon. I got some loot at the end of the fighting a boss. That I was like, man, video games are sick. I can't wait for Dragon's Dogma 2. But until that comes out, I'm going to play this. Sometimes the like open world and like the side quest stuff reminds me a lot of the original Nier, which is a game I like a lot, despite it also not being very good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's stuff. But like the actual story is the thing that mostly bothers me right now, uh, which is a shame. Cool. Next month, I hope to be done with it, and I can talk about that. But we'll see. You will. Um, I'm just gonna say we've got we have an episode of Final Fantasy 15 coming out. It's question mark? Question mark? Soonish. Probably March, right? Probably, that was your plan originally. March. Yes, it was meant to be mid month March episode, but I wasn't gonna be like firm about it. We still have room yeah. to wiggle that around. Yeah, um, but we've we have announced the public. Like, do I talk around it now? I'm just gonna mention it. Um. I will not be playing Forspoken for that. Is that is entirely about fifteen, but that's why yeah. uh, you and Molly and Austin are all like, oh yeah, Forspoken. You're talking about it, and I am not playing it because I have fifteen on the horizon. Also, it's a PS5 only game, and the DualShock ruins oh. your hands. Oh my god! Yeah, the DualShock may have permanently disabled me in some small way. Yeah, and I'm constantly mad about it every day. Uh, that sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Anyway, um, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, that who knows when that's gonna happen. I guess we should probably get to our game club. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Our game club this month is Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Nights, a 2021 uh, Metroidvania slash the Light Souls style game uh, developed by AdGlobe and Livewire uh, that came out on basically everything, Xbox, PlayStation, uh, Switch, and Windows. Um, I played this on uh, Steam Deck. Uh, Jackson, you also did that, right? I play it on my PC and sometimes Steam Deck. This is the oh, difference okay. between you and me. The irony is we've seen it when I'm in bed. Uh, you use it as like a platform. I use it yeah. as like the secondary thing. Because um, mm-hmm. I'll go between. I uh, yeah, do not enough. own a Switch. I mean, a Steam Deck yet, so I played the Switch version. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I would have done uh, if we had done this what we originally planned before Jackson's hand blew up. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a real... Ooh, I could not have done this in over peak. My hand's been like got a little worse lately, and it's, it sucked. But this would have been real bad because like a load of da- dashing on the right trigger, ha 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 on the X button, um, movement combat game. 
Um, all right, Jackson, tell me what Ender Lily is about, and then uh, we can talk about uh, why we're doing it. Ember. Uh, so normally I we would do like a plot summary. Um, I don't want to do that here because the game has a story, but I've also watched a YouTube video about the story. So my understanding of the story outstrips the way the game <laughs> communicates the story to you. So yeah. I will instead describe you watch like, the, the same lore video. Like you're, there's a lot of reaching here. happening. <laughs> I was like, I'm unwilling to like, I would have to mention this on the podcast because while it's giving me a lot of new information, I don't trust this one person. And there's not like, there's literally like, a bit where the person says the game doesn't say this, but I'm making this connection for you. Um, blah, blah, blah. And it's really funny. I'm like, then what's the point of your video? <laughs> well, th- that's the fun of these things. But like on a souls game, there's so many different people doing that, that you can like mm-hmm. see different interpretations. And is not that popular. So you can't get like the whole different perspectives, but broadly playing through the game, uh, you uh, are, Lily, who uh, wakes up in a ruined kingdom that has been... Um, in a fully, Zelda 2 palace. <laughs> in, yes, literally wakes up in a Zelda 2 palace in a kingdom, uh, in a Metroidvania kingdom that has fallen to the blight uh, as the, the like death rain falls or whatever it's called. Um, and the inhabitants of the kingdom are all turned into weird zombies. There's like monsters everywhere. Uh, and you are an innocent little girl named Lily who's woken up and like, what am I going to do? But you have a guardian uh, who has a sword and can talk to you about uh, this this kingdom and enigmatically say about how things were before the blight and how you will be protected on this journey to purify this land. You go about this land picking up other spirits and freeing them uh, from their blighted form and you get a small cutscene where they say I wanted to do the thing, but then I couldn't because of the blight and it was bad and sad. And this happens eight times and you pick them up and you collect them like Pokemon <laughs> and you continue uh, to explore uh, this ruined kingdom and you go deeper and you find the like a lab where they're experimenting with the, su- the, like the, the substance because of course they were, cause they always are. Uh, and ultimately find at the heart of all this, uh, the like the princess that like is your mother slash clone, uh, you and defeat her with the true ending eventually is with the help of all the other lilies because you're just one of many lily clones who are the like perfect girls like bred and created to purify this blight uh, through abuse of all this supernatural power uh, and through collecting everyone else's souls and setting them free are able to manage to defeat this uh, with the power of friendship and uh, pressing the X button a lot in boss fights. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the point of the game. Uh, there's a lot of like different areas you can explore, but like without going into actual lore explanations about the three ages and what the blight is and who Lily's mother is and the different guardians, that is the actual experience of Ender Lilies as like a narrative uh, in summary form. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Ember, why did you pick this one? So, um, I am generally like really just enamored have been for you know years now with this whole space of like sort of indie exploratory action games you might call them metroidvanias i i will not um and uh it's legal to not do that i just will never stop (laughs) um the draw to me about you know and this this applies to like the the like triple a predecessors as well um is kind of what uh, Jackson was talking about during the first segment, where um, games kind of like don't don't these games often don't feel the need to like say everything with like a lot of words. They kind of like gesture at their 
their thoughts or their themes or their ideas more broadly and kind of let you, you know, piece it together as much as or as little as you want to. And I don't know, I feel like that's like a more... I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say it's bad to do it the other way, but just whenever I play a game that, that does that, like, like a Dark Souls or a whatever, um, it feels like very, I don't know, like a very elegant form of story to me, um, in games. And so, um, this one, I mean, first of all, the art style is beautiful and I figured we'd have a good time talking about that. And then, but on the other hand, like, there are games on either side of the spectrum where, like, Blasphemous is... I don't know if either of you have played that one, but... I played a little bit and did not get on with it very well. Oh, really? Maybe I could have picked that then, because I was going to say, we, um... I feel like I have so few, like, negative thoughts on Blasphemous that it would be hard for me to, like, talk about it for a long time, besides just, like, heaping praise on it. And then on the other hand, there's... I mean, here, here's the fundamental th- problem with, like, a Blasphemous that Enderlays doesn't really have is I don't like Souls games period. So anything that's like a Souls game, I have a hard time with. <laughs> that's fair. Um, and then on the other hand, there's like games like Moonscars that I played recently, which is um, would still be interesting to talk about, but it's like much, much messier. So it's like harder to find like the stuff to, to praise in it. So I thought this was like a nice middle ground and it's a game that I like a lot. So yeah i don't know it was a little little bit of an arbitrary decision i knew i wanted to pick one of these games and i just kind of like shot for something that i thought was in the middle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. um i also found blasphemous i didn't play i played like maybe like two hours but i found <coughs> blasphemous much harder than ender lilies as a video game yeah blasphemous is definitely like even like regular enemies you basically need to be like frame perfect with a lot of enemies in terms of like how you interact with them otherwise you're you're going to be uh crushed so yeah. That's just the kind um, of game that is. <laughs> yeah. As someone who comes mostly out of, like, I enjoy, like, Metroidvanias um, more than I enjoy Souls-style games and, like, combat stuff in them. Um, Endless is really weird because, like, it has, it has like, the Hollow Knight benches that set your progress. Um, you respawn at them if you die. But it doesn't have any of the, like, death punishment stuff that a Souls game does. You don't lose anything. Um and so you just you don't have to like retrieve your body or anything like like Hollow Knight did, uh, which is obviously like a clear inspiration in terms of like a lot of the aesthetics in these areas, um, like even the blight, the way the blight is depicted, and like the the ruined spaces is, is stuff that Hollow Knight also did. Um, um, my thing particular about this is I think that as an exploration game, um, the movement stuff in this is just like slow to roll out, and some of it is very sloppy when it does. Um, the game's, like, the whole time, I, I keep going back to areas because fast travel, like, one of the things I really like is it tells you when you've clear, cleared an area. So I always know when I get a new power, like, oh, these are the, like, six locations I could go back to and look for something in. Um, but um, the game is, like, teasing. that There's, like, some sort of, like, triple jump or sky jump in, like, a Symphony Night way the entire game. And when you finally get it, it's, like, a grapple hook off of lamps. Um, kind of like the uh, the not plague night um specter spectral night specter yeah specter, specter of night. torment the the uh shovel knight third campaign specter of torment um is like a grim reaper style guy who just has this exact ability where you you there's anchor points that you can leap off of and throws you in the opposite direction of where you started from just like it does in this game um 
But in this, like the the directional finding is a little sloppy and it just feels like it comes so late that it's not like used in combat much or in any way. And it would be really bad if it was because there's like one area where there's a bunch of these grapple hooks like way up high in the sky and there's like some giant gargoyle swooping in on you and like the the detection on where you're going to grapple is like a little too fiddly and it just ends up i just got wrecked by those gargoyles a bunch um and so movement wise i'm like i wish it was a little tighter um and then the combat like when you get to the bosses i think the bosses are generally a little too hit spongy and until you like create a build that just like shatters the game uh the thing the thing that i ended up doing was putting my points into um attacking enemies builds sp faster and i got the the charm that gives me two sp gauges which give you basically item crush like super attacks with your main weapon um and so if i just had two of those and they were constantly like refreshing i could just spam those attacks and it just melts most of the bosses um in a way that's like kind of fun um but then i i couldn't find never found like an alternate build that like suited me much there was not like, let me sit down and re refinagle my entire build to beat a boss until the very, very end um, where I just picked a, I just picked a build that gave me like more healing. Uh, like I healed every time I took damage or gave damage. That one uh, made that final boss melt. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I end up being like kind of in the middle of the road of like a lot of this stuff for like, I think I think the I, the areas are like the art is beautiful. Um, for me, the areas are very samey um, until the the final area which is a a slog of a poison swamp which i found very frustrating um (laughs) that area sucks uh and um i just wish the like i wish it was more of a platformer and less of a fighting game but that is like my taste on this genre in general um and so that part left me kind of frustrated i would say like there's things in this game i like but like my i was like whelmed i think this is like a very like seven out of ten kind of video game to me Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, I think my um, Minecraft is a little different in that I I do quite like Souls games, but I like Souls games as like boss rushes. <laughs> like when I'm playing Dark Souls, Dark Souls three is probably my favorite Souls uh, Dark Souls game. Um, and that is a game to me about like you got a handle on an area, you get your stuff, you make your boss run, you do that, you fight the boss. Uh, they're about like learning patterns on bosses, uh, and so this game isn't really that it doesn't really support that play style it's much more about methodically clearing out areas um it does not support ru- running past guys to the next checkpoint do not do that in Endless. Uh, uh it does later when you're like when you're fully equipped with like the spear guy and stuff and can really rush uh you can do that uh yes but only like when you're like right at the end of your build um there's definitely a period where like in the middle uh i'm like i, I I'm not gaining anything from the levels here because you know the, the level scaling is pretty intense that it won't really like you can grind, uh, but it'll usually take a few minutes of fighting in the area that you're in to get ready for the boss in that area, and you can't really go beyond that. Um, so like the levels don't don't feel like they get at that out of out of whack, which meant means that like while I'm exploring, I just need one thing. I just want to ignore the enemies because I just need to like find the one place I've got to go to and end up finding like. A lot of same enemies over and over, uh, and ultimately, I just thought like the combat was mostly just okay. Uh, it didn't have 
Um, like the the bosses specifically, I think are all really fucking terrible. Um, but not not in like the, the the their base combats are bad. I think like their move sets are a little simple, but they're fine to fight against. I think the moves are okay. I just think that like the two design decisions that really rubbed against me were um, uh, they they all have too much health. So like, and you have too little health. Uh, so instead of you have to like just the margin for error balance is off and also they're they're usually very easy until the third phase in which they suddenly get unpredictably hard with like a new attack that like messes up your timings in the earlier phases uh which i understand why you do that it's like a progression of uh, within the fight um but ultimately just ends up making every fight like a three minute slog to get to the bit that's challenging and then you die really quickly um and i and so every time i like beat a boss fight i didn't feel like satisfied i felt like oh thank god that's over um which is just not really what i'm looking for when it comes to these kind of boss fights um and so i definitely approach this more as like an action game i guess as my main like i was mostly using the sword and instead of re in, instead of like doing the rpg thing and changing up my build to trivialize the boss i was trying to learn all the patterns um and so like when i got to a boss fight i would just be really frustrated for like an hour bashing my head against the like old uh as it took me so, forever to beat him so when i hit old uh that was like my wall of like i need to figure out how to play the video game um and so old took me about 10 tries and i was like well we're not gonna ever do that again um <laughs> and so uh that's what i like started building for like i want sp production because i want to do the super moves because it helps melt boss health so like if i have a hard time with the final um like the final third of any boss i can just store up my two sp moves and then once i hit the final form pop both those and the boss is basically dead already um which is the way the way to go just shortcut the, the whole whatever form of the boss i find most troublesome uh which wasn't always the third form actually um and so that means when i got to um when i got to julius or i got to um uh honer the guy with like a bunch of guys around him i hit those first try just first clear boss um which was great uh then i hit the wall with like muriel where i was like my moves do not work on a giant dragon that i can't like dodge around because my whole thing was like if i just don't get hit it doesn't matter if i'm like if i don't know the patterns i just need to be able to like dodge everything um once you get an upgraded like dodge sprint that helps a lot um but um when I got to Muriel, Muriel's like static and you can't dodge through her. She's just shooting giant beams at you. So what I realized at that point, which I hadn't been doing, is uh, you have like two weapon sets, like your A and B. And the game has like three equipable weapons. There's your main attack, which kind of is like in, like infinite. Um, and then there's two alternate attacks, which are um, you get them from fighting like boss versions of regular monsters. And they, they equip kind of like Arya of Sorrow or... Um, What's the um what's the last Castlevania game on DS? Why can't I think of the name of that? Order oh. of Ecclesia. Um yeah, style attacks where you, you get uh monster abilities and you equip them and you get uh, a certain amount of uses of those. Um and I had been rolling with like just two stalwarts there, um, where it was like the um the uh floral uh floral priestess, I think it is. Um which is a big spin move and like the big uh um like hammer attack you get early on and they both do really great damage if you hop in the air and do them both aerial and just like melts enemies because they're both like multi-hit attacks uh that can like stun lock enemies really easily so i just hit both those every time clears out a lot of areas um doesn't work on Meryl because she's a big dragon so i i realized at that point that you could set your a and b tasks to give you four expendable weapons instead of two so for the first half of the boss i just stood on the far right side of the map 
and like spammed like long distance fireballs attacks to whittle down her health until I was out of those and then rushed forward and did all of my stuff while I had w- w- health remaining to survive just tanking it for the, the second half of the battle. Um, which is like definitely a sloppy way to play. Um, I, I felt like I had like exploited some system and not like mastered the boss at that point. Um, but it, hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think either of us are like the the. Um, if you don't don't didn't use nothing but a sword and shield, then you're not a real player. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do. Th- oh, go ahead. I'm not like that. I'm definitely not like that morally. I just end up like accidentally falling into that because I obstinately am like, I'm gonna like figure out. I I know my sword is doing damage. I will play <laughs> the action game and figure it out. And so I was. And I probably should have been rebuilding more. Um, oh, no, I'm... But I, I think it has a thing that, like, this is a thing I also complain about in every Souls game, uh, is the way that resources are distributed between your weapons and your builds uh, just incentivizes not spending them because uh, there's not enough things to upgrade everything. Um, well, and so, you can't... so here's... The, the thing is, like, they the main weapon, like the main sword guy, the one yes. that I want to use. Cause I, I like it the most. That has a separate very, currency. That one yeah, yeah, so it has a unique currency that rolls out very slowly and at very measured like parts of the video game. And most of them are at the end in a way that's kind of weird. Um, and then your secondary, uh, like main attacks all have a currency where you can max all of them out. Cause I did, I know you can. Um, I don't think, I don't know if there's enough currency to max out every of the like expendable ones. Um, I did not clear. I got every upgrade, but I did not cl- clear the map um, in the game. So technically, so, um, when you break certain things like pots and whatever, like it will drop mm-hmm. one of that soul. So like theoretically, yeah. you could max every single thing just okay. through that, but it would take yeah, that takes too forever. long to be feasible. Yeah. Um, yeah, my I thing is, I oh go ahead. I was excited. Theoretically, that can be done, but like I mm-hmm. just am always when i have like a bunch of upgrade stuff ready to go i like always hoard it and save it for what i really need um when i would much rather just have access to all the tools to freely switch between them and experiments i understand My- the re- reason it's not doing that is because it doesn't want you to just like switch to the wind button every time um but this is just like a issue i have with the way that rpg mechanics work in this genre specifically like i said i'd, I'd fully upgraded like by the end of the game i was upgrading things just because i had currency to spend i'd already maxed mm-hmm. out all the things i want <laughs> And all the things I might want. So I was just like, I guess I'm just going to upgrade like this tornado I don't use. Um, and um, my thing is specifically that I um, I liked the sword. <laughs> I wanted to use the sword. It's like a fast weapon. The first alternate weapons you get are all kind of slow. And so really for me incentivized like, oh, like I should just stick with the sword. Eventually you get some faster ones. Um, but the trade-offs never felt like worth it to me so i really just wanted to go through with my main night guy he's the guy on the box why it's mario party it's his party he plays mario you know that kind of logic (laughs) um which led to um me mostly focusing on the other spells but i really fell into the two that worked for me and um just spammed the hell out of them the entire game which is fine i don't necessarily have a problem with that my main thing is that the um the uh relics that you equip i wish just did more a lot of them are like just modifiers to damage or like if you're in the air you do more damage if you're underwater you do more damage stuff like that where i wish it changed up the mechanics of the the game itself um more and this is the thing that like coming off of hollow knight i'm like hollow knight has relics that radically just change the mechanics of the game it's like you can't use magic but you have like super armor where like every hit you take has an armor on your hit points where you 
the first hit will just negate damage and the second hit if it happens within like a little bit of time uh will actually do damage and there's there's nothing that mechanically is so different in this game um and that's the thing i wish there was i just wish there was more weird stuff um because ultimately i played the game almost the exact same way the entire way through even as i was gaining abilities and like part of the joy of a metroidvania for me is you get something that changes your approach to how you even play the video game um and the only thing in this that has that is the like dash once you go from like the little flop that lily does to like an actual goddamn dash um i feel like that helps a lot <laughs> um but i wish there was i wish there was more like you know interesting aerial attacks like a, a, a down attack it doesn't even have to be like the obvious pogo that uh like shovel and hollow knight made famous but just uh stuff like that i think is what i was looking for more yeah um i think the, i think the counters are hard to read um partially that might be because i'm playing on a steam deck it's like a small screen overall um i had a really hard time understanding when the counter would happen a lot of times so i just stopped using it after the one boss that basically requires you to use it i was like if i just dash through i don't need to counter i can just avoid yeah, I I think it's kind of funny how this is like I think maybe the only game I played that has a like a parry counter system, but it doesn't get introduced until like well, maybe like a third of the way through or something. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm definitely f- more on the um the Jackson side of things when it comes to like I will, even though I know I should probably be just like experimenting with the systems and using all of the tools the developers give me i will beat my head against the wall with like a sword and like nothing else for like two hours until i beat a boss um but i think it's you know it's always good that that this game can kind of facilitate both um types of play and it also means that the parry thing wasn't such a big deal for me because i would like die three times figuring out okay this this, these attacks can be parried and these attacks can't so Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that ultimately because the way i played i i i am i just i i thought there was like too many different like you have the regular parry but you also have like whole other weapons that are can be used you have like the one oh there's a shield weapon i literally never used that i know like does a like I, like a parry right it's super useful and um i never touched it not it's a, got, like, a really punishing cooldown and you got to keep on top of the cooldown when you're doing a parry so it can't be used like purely reactively that's a different parry uh mm-hmm. i think like the the game's very mechanically dense in its combat in a way that is little to its detriment um because they don't really know the tools you have uh in every boss fight uh and and it, it's just a little um messy i guess which isn't necessarily a problem uh but it, it does mean like it's not the 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 most pure 2d action game boss fight thing it's it's much more about the like vibes of exploring the areas um ultimately i think that, like there's like three very different uh kind of games and there's like there's the action game side of it there's the like metroidvania exploration game side of it and there's like the uh story-based platformer side of it mm-hmm. uh and I think all three of these are um, very counterposed in ways that are not always true in the genre. Um, but like, for example, you have like you, we have that that we talked about that flop, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the main character has uh, instead of a dash has like a couple of iframes on a 
jumping but falling forwards like very cute fluffy motion i think it's an incredible animation uh very characterful tells you a lot about like who lily is what the vibe is uh it's very limbo-esque right of like this cute mm. character falling about in this world um but it is simply not fit for purpose in a game about doing bus fights. <laughs> Absolute disaster. In every bus fight, we're like, I'm trying to use the worst dodge in the world to fight these, like, fucking Sekiro buses. Um, I, then, I like that because they give you, they eventually do give you the thing you want, which is a sick-ass dash. Uh, See, I liked that yeah. because it, it made me feel like, yeah, I'm just this, like, I don't even really know who I am, but I'm this little girl who's, like not like I literally I'm not fit for purpose for this, but I have to be because I'm the only person who can do it. And eventually you get the yeah, like I'm said the thing that you really want, but you get that feeling of like, wow, even my dodge roll is like I just kind of like fall to the ground. Yeah, I wish there was more upgrades that felt like that empowering on every axis and not just like in the dodge. Um mm-hmm. is my thing. My so it, the one thing that like I know I can't speak to it, I feel like I'm missing is like this game's also clearly heavily inspired by like vanillaware games, like big Muramasa vibes off of yes. this. I haven't played very little. Literally Muramasa, has some Muramasa so like map. Yeah. Uh, and and the combat situation. So I don't know how that stuff interacts. So for me, it ends up being like I like platformers, right? Like I like Metroid and Castlevania when it's like jumping on stuff. The bosses are fine, incidental to my enjoyment. Um so like Twin Spires, my favorite area in the game. I think it's just incredible, a bunch of cool vertical areas. Um it's like snowy. There's a bunch of platformers. It's platforms. It's where you get like your first. I think that's where you get the double jump initially. Um, just a bunch of cool stuff in that area. Um, but and and I would I also feel this way about uh, Verboten Domain, which is like the last area. It's like a big awful swamp. Um, and I hate the big awful swamp part. I think the the game's enemy scaling gets really like punishing in this area. It doesn't like I finished the game at like level ninety three and. The enemies in Verboten Domain would you just take three hits and you're dead. It's like it's so brutal about it. But it does have a really cool bit where there's like a central shaft with an elevator that you can go down. But around it are like locks on either side that don't connect to the central shaft that you have to like unlock in the way that that's like a platforming puzzle deeply appeals to my aesthetics of what I want out of an exploration game. Um because I found the shaft immediately and went down and could only go to the one bit and then just like slowly worked my way through unlocking all that stuff and finally getting the full elevator elevator ride down. I'm like, this is it. This is like the build to a final boss I'm looking for. I found that very fun, um, which is funny because I found the final boss kind of a chump when I got ending B. Ending C, different story. The true final boss fucking sucks. Uh, but I thought the first final boss was easy peasy. Um, but I do, I do like those areas, like Ruined Castle. I really like too, uh, even though that has that introduces the weird part of like the, doing the action game thing of locking you in a room with enemies, um, yes. which is just it feels out of place in this game. I don't, I don't hate it, um, but it's not what I'm coming to it for. Um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly just here to uh, jump around on stuff. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is my every game that has platforming. I'm like, I wish it was more of a platformer, not the other things it is. Um, very boring complaint coming from me because I say it all the time, but it's true. <laughs> What's funny is the boss that I remember having the hardest time with, not on this time through, but at the first time I played it um, back toward when it came out was um, Dark Witch Elaine. Not mm-hmm. because like, like I'm sure that boss is easier than several of the later bosses, but the bosses up to that point, I kind of like breezed through and I was just kind of like playing kind of like, um, you know, I wasn't like super, super focused. 
I wasn't like playing like I was playing a Dark Souls game yet. And then Elaine has that attack where she like teleports behind you and like does the 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 spike grab thing. And mm. that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, this game like like this game actually is going to like mess with me. Like I'm gonna have to actually like pay attention. <laughs> I guess that, like, to me, that was kind of like the the difficulty spike boss. Yeah, that was me with Ulv. Ulv was by like, oh, okay, I need to stop playing sloppy and start like actually moving around and hitting harder and faster. Because I, I had a thing with like some of the bosses where like it becomes a matter because the bosses take a lot of damage, but like you you can dish out a lot of damage if you have the right build. Where I would. I would ha- I would go into the boss and just eat shit like three times. And then my fourth time would just clear the boss with like all of my healing left and like only taking half of bar- life bar of damage. Cause you just like, once you figure it out, they just, they just melt. Um, and I wish there was more like battles of attrition, which I did have with the, um, the, the big dragon at the end. I do not have the page where all the boss names are again, the one that I had the hardest time with. Cause I finished that with like no healing and like, three little points of damage. And I was like, man, that was sick. <laughs> it's really hard to balance that. Like making a game where every boss fight feels like that is so hard and you can so easily make it too hard, which I'm uh, glad this game did not. Um, I found a little bit of it challenging, but I would not outside of the final area and like, Oh, I would not describe this as like a difficult game to me, which is a highly subjective thing. But like, like I said, I played Pent, uh, not Pent, uh, uh, what's the, Blas- what's that? blasphemous and just like i'm like this is too fucking hard i can't do this um and i did not i was worried ender lilith is going to be like that and it was not for me so that was nice yeah i found ender lilith really hard but specifically in like the, when I, I would be cruising through the areas and then i would hit a bus fight and i would just spend 90 minutes fucking bashing my head against it um and like my old situation i was like i was ready to fucking quit i was so i was so done and eventually i beat it and that was my biggest hump uh, going through mm. the game. Um, but that was like where the difficulty was for me. Uh, was like hitting a boss fight and it was just, just ugh, uh, being really difficult to get through. Mm. I, um, I wish there was more like character stuff. Like you talked a bit about the story earlier and like, I just don't, this is part of the thing where I don't like souls games. I don't like a story where like, I'm supposed to read a bunch of notes and put together a plot. Um, I'm just, I just, it's not even like I hate it. I'm just not interested. Like I ended up just like, I read like the first six notes. I was like, oh, it's one of these. Played a lot of them. Um, didn't really pay attention to them. And then like watched, like, you know, watched what was going on after the fact via YouTube lore video. I was like, is there, is there some way I can get this after the fact so I don't have to worry about it now? And so I just played it as like an exploration game with none of that. And I honestly think the game would be stronger if I didn't have to sit through a cutscene about how a noble knight sacrificed themselves for the, the land eight times. Cause it's like the same cutscene every time. Um, but also I wish when I sat down at the benches and all my homies were hanging out, there was like some color dialogue. I wish I like, could it talk to the night? Like, even if it's just like sad mopey stuff, like is the vibe of the game. I wish the night would be like, I, it, you know, it's raining. And then the nun sitting next to him was like, it's always raining. Please, you know, just like quiet little character bits. I love the vibe of when you go to the bench, it pauses all your people, all your ghosts come out and they just kind of loiter around. And it always looks cool. Like literally everyone I know who played this game took like a screenshot of their, like their squad sitting at a bench. Cause it's very evocative. I wish they did something with it. Yeah. Um, I definitely think there, um, obviously like if you have the budget to do the way, like, yes, 
some games do it where most of it is in like voiced NPCs and, and things like that, then that is like the best way to kind of dull up the, the, the information. And then mm-hmm. just nothing but picking up notes is probably the worst way, but I don't fault it. Cause I assume this was like outside of the art, probably not the highest budget game. So <laughs> I don't know for sure. Yeah. But. Oh yeah. It definitely feels like a game. Cause like, there's a lot of like reused enemy types and partially that's like gameplay wise. Cause you don't want to like, you understand how to fight the enemy. And so it becomes about that enemy, like doing that process over and over again. And there's like game design reasons for that. Um, but also like just generally, it feels like a game where like a lot of the money went into like making the art assets, but then the game itself can be a little samey because they're reusing like the ideas for those areas uh, more times, uh, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with a game having a limited budget. I think ultimately, I think the game is just like t- twice as long as it should be. Like they just cut half the game out. It's a better game because then you get more of the meat. Um, yeah. The thing is, I th- the problem with that is, I think if you asked most people who played it, they'd all have a different answer of the thing that should be cut out. And so, what do you do at that point? <laughs> yeah, I don't have like I don't know exactly what I would. I would cut everything. I I would endeavor to do as close to reduce the game by half. Not there's nothing. I'm, I mean, apart from the fucking poison swamp, there's nothing. I'm like cut that bit like. It's not like I want this thing's excise. I just want the game in six to eight hours and not uh, 15 to 20. Mm. Yeah, this is something I always wonder about with, like, if I could ask just every indie developer of, like, games that I generally enjoyed. Like, it seems like a lot of them have kind of an anxiety about being too short. And sometimes the way that they accomplish being longer actually just makes the game worse um but yeah i totally understand that because like i've been i don't know if i'll ever be able like have the time and money to actually make it but i've been like working on like my own game design and mm-hmm. i cannot imagine like trying do, do i make it just a 68 hour game because that's what i think is usually like kind of the best pacing the best length like in and out or do i try to make it something that's closer to like 20 hours so i don't get all the negative steam reviews that are like this is too short (laughs) and i don't know i don't know how you answer that question when you're working on a game (laughs) uh yeah i mean everyone kind of lands somewhere else like on a different place with this um i'm always advocating for shorter games i think i finished this one in like 13 hours which uh it felt long but partially that's because like there are multiple times where I'm like, I just came in this area and I feel like I'm not leveled enough, so I just have to go explore. Um, but often the exp- because I wasn't sure what the upgrades were, um, it's not like like Metroid like will put purple doors right, and you you know once you get a beam, the open purple doors, the game will show you this opens purple doors, then you know what you're doing. There are multiple times where like I didn't know what upgrade would get me to whatever was hidden in the area I was in, um, looking for stuff. Um, and then I realized, like, very at the end of the game when I was clearing stuff out, that, like, some of them require you to, like, utilize equipped items that I just didn't really realize existed. There's, like, one uh, one ability that's, like, just, like, a long forward dash that's, like, an equipped ability. It's, like, a rush uh, that you get from, like, an under the underwater fish boss or whatever. And you have to use that to get to a couple places. But, like, I didn't even know that was there because it's in the poison swamp that I didn't like to explore until right near the end of the game. Um, but it's used exploration wise in a way that a lot of the equipped weapons, like equipped weapons aren't exploration weapon items, uh, except for the three times they are. And it's really weird the way it does that. I wish it had experimented more with that or just not done it. But like 
in that way, it, it often feels kind of confusing in the things it's asking you to like do. Cause like one of them is like, use the claw that does like an up, like uppercut that launches you in the air to get across a huge gap. Um, and I even, I didn't, I never used that weapon. I didn't even know it did that until I was like looking up how to get to this thing in this room. Um, and that's, just really weird. I wish there was like, like I said, more of it or none of it. Um, a lot of ideas there just feel kind of half formed, which is fine. Like I said, small game doing some, uh, experiments. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the tight, like six hour versus game whips. And I think the version that has like triple the budget is probably pretty good too. Uh, I probably would ultimately like it less, uh, <laughs> But I think of like we played Time Spinner like two years ago, and that game's like literally five six hours long, and uh, is much better for it. Ah, uh, that's that is overestimating how long Time Spinner is. Yeah, yeah, it might be even less time than that. I guess. <laughs> like Time Spinner is four hours maximum. That's the hundred percent it. Yeah, um, and partially that means like to me it's like I wish I just wasn't leveling up then at that point. Like, can I just like have a game where I'm the same level, but gain abilities and increase my strength over time. Like if I could upgrade my weapons 10 times instead of like three times, and then I don't even need to gain levels. Cause that's not what the game's about. But that's like, this is me saying, I don't like souls games again. <laughs> well, see, I even get those feelings. Like when I'm playing, like, you know, um, even like fire emblem or like a JRPG, like, Shin Megami Tensei Five had uh, a thing you got for buying the digital deluxe edition where it would just basically just let you level up on command. And I was like, wow, every every turn-based RPG thing is like kind of just wasting your time a lot. Um, you could just go through the game without grinding ever, and it would be fine. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I have I have weird opinions on. I think the answer is different for every game, also, right? Like, I wouldn't want to play Dragon Quest where I just where they didn't have the part where I gain a level and I feel stronger. I buy a new sword and it's like my whole life changes. Um, that's like key to like playing a game like Dragon Quest. You can't lose that, otherwise you're not making Dragon Quest at that point. But I don't need it in every game. Um, and so like the answer is all over the place. Um, it's like I don't like the level up system in like the Egovanias. I don't think it's necessary. Um, it helps. It lets you like play the game if you're not like good at the video game. But I like Action Castlevania also, where that never was a problem. So it's always really weird. Yeah, I mean, like balancing action RPGs is just hard, right? Like, yes, it is difficult to make an action RPG because fundamentally you have to come up against the problem where you don't know what tools someone will have for a boss, and you have to like give it the right amount of HP. Um, yeah, and you also need to like allow for the variance of like how much do you want the thing to be about learning patterns with the moves that you understand how much do you want it to be about uh experimenting with different options and builds uh this is just a very difficult design problem to solve because every individual person's like sweet spot is going to be a different place yes uh yeah um i don't know if i have that much else do we have anything else we didn't cover um no i guess i i like uh, I, I just I didn't really talk about the story that much. Um, so that's because I didn't really like think about it that much. It, it ended up like aesthetically. This is, abnorm- this is abnormal mapping. How much do we talk about the story in video games? Yeah, I felt I felt like we we used to have. I always when we started this, I was like, oh, we're like the annoying art gamers who love narrative, but we're not. We're the formalists who love a jump button. Um, <laughs> uh, shadow voice, you're not me. <laughs> um, and ultimately, I, I was like. I I like like Lily right, and we talked about the um the the, the dash button where she falls over, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the 
the Umphys hanging out at the bench. Um, it's evocative and cool in its design. Um, I think its aesthetics are like a little. That fucking one song is just a near. It's just you just traced over near on a murder. I'm sorry, it's a little too blatant for me. Um, uh, like I, I just see like I, I you're doing the thing, um, but really the, when when I got to the underground lab, I was like, oh, has anyone 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 got any games that are like sad and medieval, but they're actually like bad love cross stories about diving too greedily and too? Has anyone anyone got this for me? And I know it's a bit rude, but it is just the most like this is the. It's a surprise every time. I or why is it a surprise again? Uh, yeah, my when I run across this, my thing particularly was the way that the other lilies are presented is like half half little sisters, half um, like the swapper, and I was like, it's easy to be like seen it. Like I know what this is, and I do. I did. I knew instantly I was, what this I was. was, like was that, yes, but. Um, I also recognize that we're we're in a weird position of having done this a long time, especially like playing indie games we have been doing for 10 years, regularly have a good like a huge backlog of ideas that have just been used in other video games, which is not necessarily true. I feel this way about like when Celeste came out. I played Celeste. I was like, oh, it's one of these. It's really good. They haven't made a really good one of these in a couple years. That's nice. Um, it's celebrating its fifth anniversary. They're putting out a new version. Celeste is big in a way that games do not get big anymore. It like means a lot to a whole group of people. And I like just played it as like one of like a dozen hard platformers with like a cool air dash. And I was like, yeah, it's a good one of those. I like it. And just seeing that, it's like, it's very easy to get like two to industry about video games sometimes right it's like oh yeah i see the little sister thing and the swapper thing and you put that together and you go into the metroid lab but the metroid lab is uh the blight blah 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 um and uh you you don't want to let it make you ungenerous right because like that doesn't it's not that's not everyone's experience not everyone has spent 10 years playing all this stupid shit (laughs) yeah uh it's just weird like it just didn't resonate but it also like i'm also just generally speaking uh um what was the what's the game that it just reminded me a transistor um this reminded me a lot of transistor which is another game of like it's not really doing the like law thing but it is a game about like uh sad story told through like scraps of information um um my thing about um this is i'll take a transistor or an ender lilies over like a hyper light drifter any day that's about like please puzzle out the obscure dialogue is it telling you mechanics or is it solutions of puzzles or is it lore who can say ender lilies i never had a question i did not need to look at the messages i knew it was lore i could just put it away i had no problems playing the video (laughs) oh yes absolutely like like ender lilies started and like resonate with me um but i'll take it over like tunic which yeah i was i would say like fez is one of these where it's like the puzzle is the Lord. I'm like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do any of this. I just want and to like, jump around. <laughs> for some people, that's like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Like when you get this clicking together moment, the mind was like, why are you putting yeah. this if shit Tunic, in front If of Tunic my was just a Zelda, I would have played more than 90 minutes of it. But instead, <laughs> it's like a whole puzzle thing where I have to un- like figure out an ancient language. I'm like, nah, nah, you, don't ask this of me. <laughs> yeah. Whereas my thing was more like, I wish there was less lore and more like a character, right? I wish I could like... Yes. I, my guy should say, "Ah, I love this, the this kind of rain." And she says, "Oh, my, you know, I, I don't know what kind of writing, but I just, yeah. I just think like the soul's influence tends towards uh, the grand tragedy of societal decay. Uh, that is the thing that is spread throughout a lot of these games uh, that are ripping off Dark Souls. And to be clear, I also find this mid in Dark Souls. It's not like it's great there. Um, this yeah. is just a mode of storytelling that, like, uh, I think is less interesting than like." You know the the best bit in this, this game is when 
you summon all the girls that you're ending but i was like i don't really know them um they're just ideas of like tragic girls i like when all my friends show up as ghosts to fight the final boss that's good in every game that does it it's just like one of the it's, it's a cheap shot it works every time great great bit i played final fantasy 4 just this month <laughs> like it's always good um but i prefer that to the uh like i like you know direct character interaction and stuff to the um Oh, the the king got obsessed with immortality. Did you know? <laughs> I am. The king's always getting obsessed with immortality. It's literally what kings do in video games. <laughs> it's true. I am pro- like definitely more so the annoying um, video game art person that you used to think you were, apparently. Um, but, and I do also have the thing Emma was saying where like I see just kind of like the pieces from afar and I kind of like recognize everything that every like every piece of media ever is doing at this point but mm-hmm. I do have like I do really appreciate when when someone can take those pieces and do something like maybe not unique but at least coherent thematically with it and I think yeah absolutely. that's probably why for example I like Nier Automata more than y'all do um I mean I do also like Nier Replicant because that has better character stuff but like I appreciate both elements um but one thing about this game is that I don't really know if I figured out either time I played it what they were if they were trying to say anything thematically or if they were just trying to go for a mood. I definitely think it's just a mood. You know, fall the the like sad melancholy of a fallen kingdom that you have to self-sacrifice to restore is such a aesthetic at this point throughout video games that like I don't think it ever is saying anything outside of maybe the way souls ruminates on this through multiple video games um that's the one thing I will give souls I think souls is like actually concerned with like what does it mean to even want to rekindle the flame um in a way that games like this typically are not even hollow knight has no actual thought about this like there's like some sad character bits but there's nothing uh actually there it's just one of these also um yeah and i love Hollow. like Hollow Knight works for me like 150 percent. i think that game is incredible um but that's because you you get you get a pogo jump and the, the movement's really fast and there's a lot of platforming in it uh that's how to win you over <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah it's weird because like i was like i had like an okay time but i would say like kind of like like whelmed by ender lilies but like it's it's a great game to ruminate on what i want out of a video game on like that part i'm like really glad because it made me think about the genre more concretely and like intensely than i do like play like ori and i just don't like ori and like ori has like cool movement terrible story but i don't like it and i just get like annoyed and don't think about the genre because of it um or when I play like Bloodstained, I'm like, Bloodstained has too many crafting mechanics and side quests, and I don't want to waste my time with a bunch of that shit. And so I just don't think about like what I actually want on the game. And this game definitely makes me ruminate on what I want out of this genre. Um, and I appreciate that. I'd rather be like tasked to consider what I want and don't want than just be like annoyed. Um, so yeah, um, I'm glad we we played this one because uh, I don't think it ever would have crossed my path because uh, I look at the art and I'm like, oh, that's like some sort of like exceed game that's kind of what it looks like it's like a fake uh muramasa you know um and did not realize it was one of these yeah i'm uh this is like the one space of of games that i'm actually somewhat plugged into like the what's what what has come out and what's coming out because otherwise games just kind of sneak up on me and someone tells me like hey i think you'd like this game it's like cool i've never heard of it i'll get it <laughs> but but when the the explore exploration exploration action games wow i can't talk um 
come out. I'm like, I'm like on top of those most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else or should we get to questions? Uh, not anything specific. We can, we got some emails. Yeah. All right. Music. emails this month if you'd like to send an email you can send them to abnormal mapping podcast at gmail.com it can be about what we're covering or just anything um max writes in um with a question i guess mostly for me um <laughs> uh because jackson definitely doesn't know ember if you have opinions you can chime in um i recently loved playing the resident evil remake and was wondering if you had any advice on whether to proceed with the classic or remade version of resident evil 2 um depends on uh kind of how you're coming at it i think resident evil 2 remake is definitely the more approachable and playable game i think resident, they're both very good at for what they are um if you care about like the history of like the horror genre and like the the way the the resident evil series has evolved over time then it's definitely like resident evil 2 is probably the most important one to play because i think it like even more than Resident Evil 1 kind of like made the trajectory for the series going forward for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, if you're just like, just kind of like a casual person who wants to have fun with a video game, I feel like Resident Evil 2 Remake will will definitely like get you there better. I, um, I have not played Resident Evil 2 Remake. I I want to, I have it downloaded on my Xbox. I just haven't put it up yet. Um, I would say uh, both. Uh, you run into abnormal mapping. You get the answer. You should play Resident Evil 2. It's one of the classics of video games. It's a really good video game. Um, you could even just play like Leon A, Claire B in Resident Evil 2 and then play like uh, Claire A, Leon B in Remake. It'd probably be all right. I don't think the story is that different. Because um, I watched like enough footage. I'm like, and this is recognizably Resident Evil 2. It just plays entirely different. Um and uh, that'd be a way to go because ideally if you play Resident Evil you do want to play both versions you want to play AB one way and then AB the other way um, there was someone who played um, like both A's and thought they were done and I was like don't do that that's not the way to play Resident Evil 2 um, had to break it to them they had, they had messed up <laughs> yeah when you get a question like this it's really tempting to just say like you should play both versions 100% you should play the entire series from start to finish and that's definitely how I and I'm, and from what I know about both of you, 
you both of you tend to play games. Yes. Um, it is how I want to be, but then it, like, where does it stop? I want to experience all of human culture in order from beginning to end, uh, and I will never die. Like, I, like there's, there's, there's a point where it's just like a ludicrous thing, like desire well, that cannot be done. Thankfully, Resident Evil 2 is pretty short, so I think it'll be yeah. all right. I've been... Yeah, but I still recognize like in my own desire to do this correctly, it is it becomes untenable and just embarrassing. I've been having yeah, that struggle with uh, with the Trails games because someone I know recommends them to me repeatedly over years, okay. and it's been like every time I look at it, there's another new game on the list, and I'm like, okay, so now I'd have to play ten, I think it is, or whatever to get. And a couple years ago, it was nine, and then before it was eight. But every time, it only gets more games that I would have to play to play the whole series. <laughs> That one's not like that. That one is unfortunately. I mean, there's no, that you do actually have to do that. That one's not like, oh, you can, do I have to do this? No, that one you do actually have to start from the beginning. Sorry, it's like playing Kingdom Hearts. Uh. Um. All right. Uh, Linux writes in. Um. As Endless, the first game I played specifically for the upcoming game club got a hundred percent of the team achievements. I had a pretty good time. Uh, it says a lot of stuff we did where it feels like a little overscoped or under budget sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Points out the main sword guy's upgrade is found in packs of two instead of just one, which definitely feels like uh, we don't know where to put these <laughs> when you get two of them. Yeah, um, though that leap is amazing when you upgrade them twice. It's like, holy shit. Um, so Linux played most of this on Steam Deck. Want to know if we had any thoughts on controller configuration for the Steam Deck. I didn't care much for the extra back buttons, but I love the trackpads. Uh, Linux played Pyre before on the Steam Deck, found it useful to have a virtual mouse alongside regular controller inputs. Um, yeah, I, I've i actually messed with like making my own because sometimes the default one I don't like um, for the Steam Deck. Um, I do find the back buttons awkward. I think they're like hard to press compared to other back buttons I've used. They, they work a little differently, and that's part of it. Um, but I just don't use them that often. I love the trackpads, though. Um, and I like the stick placement. I think the stick placement is like a new standard for where sticks should go. Um, it being up and all the controls being on the sides was a thing that like looked awkward until I held it. And I was like, oh, this is all actually really good and balanced and it feels nice in the hand. Um, but I do find myself using the trackpad nearly as much as the sticks in a lot of games that support both. Um, mm-hmm. Partially that's the game types of games I'm playing, but like um, – I'll regularly use the sticks to like navigate, use the virtual mouse instead of using the buttons to do the same thing. If the game supports that. Yeah. I think my literal only complaint about, um, uh, the Steam Deck controls is that the back paddles are like clearly a piece of plastic on the, on the flat pack. You, you press, you press it against the back, not against the trigger. Yeah. Um, It is, is pressing down on a micro switch on the main circuit board. Uh, and I really want to be pulling into the like trigger stick. Yes. Stick. Uh, which, which is, is how, how the buttons work on like I have like switch yeah. like the Hori split pad pro which has back buttons and those work like that and those are much more you're pushing like horizontally and not down yes um, yeah that's the one thing that I'm like I wish I could push that but apart from that I think like um it's it's one of the ergonomically uh best controllers ever and they it has to be because it's so fucking heavy and awkward if they didn't do that work <laughs> it would extremely just not heavy, fall yeah. apart um, yeah and so, like, it's still a kind of uncomfortable just because it's unwieldy and heavy. Um, but they, 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 they got all the placement really right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Linux asks, uh, "What's a good game to give as a gift over the holidays?" A former coworker got me the games Bug Fables and Hello Charlotte Episode Three. I got her Norco in return. Um, hmm, I guess it kind of depends on the person, right? Norco's a good gift, though. It's a short game. I think every, any most anyone would like it. I mean, 
if it's someone that you're like especially who you're not already like super like close with but you want to become closer with i think the best gift to give is always like the game that's most meaningful to you personally that's good yeah that's a good answer don't tell him though <laughs> well yeah you don't want to be like this game means a lot to me so then they feel the pressure to like really <laughs> love it or they'll disappoint you it is you are playing with fire on that one a little bit yeah because it could it can go real bad um i would always recommend just like you know i like uh adventure games like the shiva's always on sale i think shiva's a really good game um something that's like really approachable um you give someone stardew valley and ruin their life if they're inclined to that at all i feel like anyone who's inclined to stardew valley has probably played stardew valley at this point but you never know um this i I think go ahead i i think you're just all philosophically in the wrong zone well i mean one time you got me witcher 3 and like ruined my life for two months i immediately played witcher 3 i forgot that was me because you were like oh i'm gonna wait for that one and i just sent you immediately like fuck out let's go (laughs) i forgot i did that to you yeah yeah, you can um, always just give a big game and be like, oh, games are games are $70. Here's a new video game. And then the person will probably immediately play it. If you want to do that, to, if you want to voice that upon someone, you can totally do that. I didn't even mean that way. I, I think um, in terms of like gifts specifically, you want to give someone the kind of mid game you would never buy themselves. Like they don't make them properly anymore, not the modern ones, but if they were still making Assassin's Creed 2s, uh mm. that's the kind of thing you want to be like i give you the gift of guilt-free play assassin's creed for a weekend <laughs> yeah i guess my answer to that would be like a game where like it's really you don't know if you like it or hate it until you play it um mm-hmm. like dwarf fortress is out for money give people dwarf fortress they don't like it it was a gift it's fine they, they don't have to feel bad that they wasted 30 dollars, right yeah um, but if they're it, into it you've given them a whole lifestyle <laughs> there's just i just think like the the, the gift part uh, obviously you can give anything if someone's gonna like it just get get that you know i don't, I don't think that matters i'm buying all my friends copies of house of fate and morgana now <laughs> um you can't actually give gifts on the switch oh right give yeah, them damn. all the shitty steam version that's not as good no i will not be giving them the steam version <laughs> doesn't have the final part that people should definitely play because it's really good uh, <laughs> uh but i i think like one of the parts of giving gifts that is fun is the fact that like you can give someone something that they would they would just feel weird about spending money on like oh it's not worth it or oh it's only going to be you know uh, I don't know if it's all the way there uh, and giving a game like that as a gift can be freeing. Well, I mean, if you look on the Buying top, all my friends. Oh, sorry, oh, I was if you look on the top no, of ahead. Steam's new and trending every day, you'll find a game someone will feel weird spending money on. So you could go with that. <laughs> I was joking. I was gonna. I was thinking like I'm gonna give all my friends Football Manager. No one's gonna play it. Um that's right because <laughs> the only friend i know who cares about football manager already has football manager <laughs> i'm kind of uh, interested in the idea that like you said earlier M, where like if you buy someone something they won't have to feel bad if they don't play it because if i buy myself a game for 50 bucks and i don't play it i'm fine if i buy if someone else buys me a game like someone bought me cyberpunk 2077 uh for 60 bucks like close to when it came out and i still haven't beaten it and Every time I look at it in my in my Steam library, I feel bad because like that person spent money on me, and I just I don't have what it takes to beat that game. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I just I'm like the thought that counts. I appreciate the gift. I I had my time with it, but then I don't feel like I'm out sixty dollars if I bounce after ninety minutes, right? <laughs> like, 
Because if I do that, I'm like, well, that that's money I could have spent on something else. And I feel really bad. Like, well, I made a poor purchasing decision. Someone gave it a gift for me. They thought I might like it. They took the chance, but it's fine. They gave a gift. The giving the gift is the thing that matters, not how much I use the gift. So I'm appreciative of them doing the thing. But also, I don't have to feel bad that I wasted my money. Uh, yeah. That, that's how I would interpret I, 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 I guess it depends on the relationship with the person. There's definitely yes, ways I would be true. like, feel more pressured with certain people than others. Um, if I was given the gift, I would definitely give it in the spirit of like, you, this is now a thing that does not burden you. I have given you this and it has no stake. You can enjoy fucking, I don't know, uh, give me a game that's in this, 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 uh, this, this you know, strata. You can go play, uh, that new Valkyrie profile game that is apparently sucks. Oh, I, I bought that game on release and then didn't play it right away because I was doing something. And then the next day I went to the Steam page for it and like every single review was negative. So I was like, oh good, I can just refund this right now. <laughs> um, I bet I'd like it. I know it's from the Soleil, so uh, I bet it's decent. I'm sure I'd like the game part, but the fact that the port, the PC port's apparently not good. Uh, from when I read. Oh, is the PC version sucks? Okay, well, that, that always happens, yeah. Um, um, the other option, of course, is to go to your friend's wish list and just buy something off their wish list. That's true. And then you get the thing where you get something and then they, they see it and they go, fuck, I meant to take it off my wish list. I didn't know people were going to look at yeah, that. I would actually, I would actually, <laughs> not, that's, not, that's not your problem. I would actually um, recommend asking the friend first because I definitely have a bunch of stuff on my wish list that I do not want that I just put on there for other reasons because nobody buys oh, me yeah, shit off my wish list anyway, so... I used to have friends who like for Steam sales would just go to their any like friends wish list and get anything that was like under five dollars for them. Um, I feel like that was in a different era of how people use Steam. Yes. To be fair, but um, you know, you, Jackson, you recently just bought me some shit off my Steam wish list uh, for my birthday. I think it wasn't off your wish list. It was just off. You didn't have a wish list. Oh, I have a Steam wish list. It's pretty full. Oh, I didn't use that. Uh, Just Shapes and Beats has been on my Steam wish list for literal years. Seven years! For seven years! (laughs) Mine too! Still haven't bought it. I've ended up with a lot of other fucking indie games, but not that one. Uh, Yeah, it came out May 31st of 2018. I put it on my wish list uh, December of 2018, and I have not bought it yet. I guess not seven years, but five years. Yeah, I've also... Me too. Damn. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Anyway. uh, Let me get back to the questions um hilver writes in you've been tasked with producing a sequel to indie game the movie which three games are you centering the film on assume you have all the interviews and footage you need for any game released since 2012 hmm. well there's the boring there's like the right answers of what should you choose right because you can do like stardew valley celeste uh hollow knight I think you um, need one that's not a huge success. I think I'm doing um, at least Hello Charlotte, Mundan, and still just Fez because I want I still want Phil Fish. <laughs> just Phil Fish, like I'm cooking a lot now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm chilling out. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. I just want the one that's like every like everyone put their heart and soul. Oh, I want Spark Three. <laughs> Oh, um, you want chaos. You want chaos to reign. Yeah. Um, I think I think doing I think if you make an indie game in the movie, too, and you don't have Celeste, you've like fallen down on your duty. Um, but I do think it's like the boring one because everyone knows about Celeste at this point. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I know exactly what the third one has to be. There's no other option. What is it? It is Vampire Survivors, and you get the guy saying, yeah, I was on slot machines for a decade, and was like, I'm oh, going to make a shit. free slot machine. Oh, God, just yeah, absolutely, you have to get... Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There's no other way the movie ends other than you go from, like, this is this, like, labor of love and importance, like, game about this, uh, you know, overcoming your anxieties, but also was, like, my own personal journey of, of my trans identity and all these things, and then you go to, yeah, I just made a slot machine for everyone to play for free for tw- 100 hours in 2022. <laughs> That's the arc to me. I can see the movie in my mind. Um, yeah, that's fine. I would also, this is like kind of beside the point, but I'd love an indie game in the movie that's entirely on like horror video games. I'd love to see like Dead by Daylight and uh, right up against like, um, not Five Nights. Everyone knows about Five Nights, but like, um, what's the, what's the ghost hunting one? I can't remember. Phantasms are, are, Phom- I don't know. Phantasm- Phasmoph- Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia. Yeah, yes. Um, and then like something like a little more indie and like single person sort of stuff. But like, there's so many weird video games and like cultures around that stuff that are worth exploring. You could do a lot of, they could be a lot. Yeah. I mean, the two of the three, besides the joke one I mentioned, two of the three that I mentioned are are in like the horror space. I think if I was allowed to make a movie on indie games, everything featured would be like an obscure game that like maybe a tenth of the audience has actually played. Um, but at least I would hopefully get more exposure to like good games. <laughs> yes. Man, any game that maybe fucking sucks. <laughs> it's it's a really fun document of a time and space. I didn't watch it, but is that where the footage of um uh the annoying guy? I, I don't think that narrows yeah, it down. Specific. <laughs> um Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow. Yeah, yeah. The, do you mean do you mean the Jonathan Blow crying in the dark room, sitting in the room? Yeah, is that where that comes from? Yes. Oh, that's yes. amazing. That I'm really glad that movie exists just for that. That's only a little part of it. Um, I I mostly remember my main memory of it is the like freak out the uh the Super Meat Boy guys are having over their 360 marketplace placement and just from it, like that that's got that's like may as well be in the fucking Civil War at this point. That's how old that is. Things change in video games. Yeah. Uh, Eric writes in, what's a, what makes an orb good to collect? What are some of the best and worst collectible orbs in video games? Uh, good sound effects, obviously. Um, has to be in a, you know fun movement involved with going to get it. Um, I, I do think it depends on like are these like sonic rings or are these like hidden orbs right like gravity rush has orbs everywhere it's all about the yeah i i love the line of orbs that kind of yes. like point you along uh this is like the mario coin thing like coins exist to direct you through the level gravity rush was going to be my first go-to answer for good orbs i mean it's the it's yeah. the correct answer gravity rush yeah. greatest game of all time god go orbs um uh, Forspoken has like an orb kind of thing, which is like these little like fonts of magic energy. They look like the draw points in Fantasy VIII, basically. Um, and when they're like usually clustered in groups of three to five, and when you find them and you pick them up, you get like upgrade points, uh, which is a great way to just like max out your upgrade trees really easily by exploring, which I appreciate. I like that I get immediate rewards for finding a thing. Um, part of the problem with a lot of collectibles, like the Assassin's Creed feather problem, Assassin's Creed feathers, a bad orb because you got to get a hundred of them for a fucking cape. And that's the only thing you get. Uh, yeah, no, you, you need the orbs to be direct. You don't want them to like unlock a thing that might be used later 
the the orbs are themselves like that's the gravity rush thing. Like getting the orbs is the currency. There's no extra step involved there. It's just the orbs, the orbs. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Alex writes in. Uh, let's see. Character changing class in a story like Cecil or Gandalf, I guess, is uh, accepted. <laughs> it's the key change of video games. What's a game where someone should have a dramatically changed class or reappear with a whole different thing going on? Cecil's just like Gandalf. <laughs> yep. Cecil the White. Yep. You said that should like I'm adding it to a different game. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, like, I mean, it's it, you know, it's good in any RPG. It's a good trope to go to. Um, I, I kind of like the bit of Malaga Rising where this happens, but uh, it's it's very corny and stupid. There should be a bit in the like modern day in uh near where uh Papa Near just has like a gun and it's like Shadow of the Hedgehog for a little bit. That's true. There should be that. <laughs> there should be that. It'd be really funny. <laughs> the bit where he's like breaking into the convenience store or whatever at the beginning of the game, right? Like just mm-hmm. that, but it's a gun. God. <laughs> uh yeah, I can't think of anything like to insert it really into though. Um yeah, more more characters who aren't sickos going sicko modes. All right, I, I never I never hate it. Um, I think Nier's a good one because he's yeah. uh, very much not a sicko. No, he's just chilling. Yep. Um, what's a worst? Uh, Emerson writes in. What's a worst genre name? Search action or Metroidvania? Search action. No, no. Um, of the two, I think I like this like Metroidvania more, um, but. I also would not use search actions, so it's kind of like a, a moot question for me. Um, I just I tend to be an extreme prescriptivist. Uh, oh no, the other way around, descriptivist about genre, I guess. Uh, in the, the the Metroidvanias are Metroidvanias because people call them Metroidvanias. Um, it is the word everyone uses. I know it's kind of wrong. I don't care. It is the word at this point. Like I can't change it from my computer. Uh, everyone will just come up with their own, like, like souls. Like it's people, people used it. It has become normalized. You're not going to start calling them other things. That it just means something. Uh, a Metroidvania does the same thing, even though if it's like objectively wrong, because they don't, the, the balance is off, right? They're not really, it, it meant a specific thing at one point and now is used in just a vague way to just mean any game that has some unlocks uh, and a 2d map that you go backtracking like, in you um, can call control for, for instance a metroidvania and as far as i know it meets most of the criteria so then you can get into weird arguments about is control a metroidvania because intuitively it's i would describe it as a metroidvania it's not a very good one but <laughs> intuitively one. i think most people wouldn't think of it as one unless presented with that idea like you wouldn't like mm-hmm. have someone start playing control and they're like oh this is good metroidvania but like once you're presented with the idea, then you can like, well, I guess technically it qualifies. But like, it's like I don't know. The way we define games is is weird in general. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Generally speaking, I'm like the only the only thing I'm like a weird genre uh, genre genre weirdo about is um, I hate the, the the JRPG thing of like Souls games aren't JRPGs because they they don't have the like tonal characteristics of JRPGs. That stuff annoys me. Because it just reminds me of like, oh, they can't be JRPGs because they're good and about things that Western games are about. Or, like, or they can't be JRPGs because they're they're bad. 
I've seen both. They come with JRPGs because they're bad? What? Who's, where well, are no. you hanging out? I've definitely seen JRPG fans like Souls games don't count because they're not like a game I like. Okay, so like the same argument from, from the, another, yeah. the other side for some stupid reason. Yeah, they're, they're um, bad either way. Souls games are RPGs. Zelda games, also JRPGs. They're also action-adventure games. You can be multiple things. This is the problem with the genre is that yeah. uh, it's not it's not like exclusionary. But are Zelda, are Zelda games Metroidvanias? Uh, I would say yes. Yeah, especially like the 3D ones I think are extremely Metroidvanias. Um, Metal Gear Solid is also all of these. That's why like... Metal Gear Solid is a metric. Rather than using genre terms. But also Shadow Moses is Elder. <laughs> rather than using genre terms in the first place, they tend to just talk about games that are within the same space. Like like for example, Moonscars is like closer to um Ender Lilies than Blasphemous is. But like they're kind of like all in the same you can kinda of like draw draw like a, a a bubble map of like where everything is. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, if you zoomed that out far enough, every single game would be there. But like, you, it would be—it it feels like a fruitless exercise to then draw a circle around certain ones and say this is the Metroidvania section because it's like, okay, but if I like this one over here, that doesn't mean I'm gonna like this one all the way on the other side of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like like genre is ultimately a very imperfect, uh, arbitrary thing uh, as you talk about the way things work, uh, like you know the, the weird hard lines people draw around roguelikes i find very embarrassing like they all i know what you mean um uh i i, I tend to so that's, that's why i tend to just say metrovania because i feel like most people understand what that means uh search action being more technically correct or descriptive does doesn't actually mean anything and like it's like Twitter. Twitter's a bad website, but its mere feature is that everyone's on it. It doesn't matter how much better the fucking website is if no one's on it. Uh, yeah. I mean, the problem. this is the thing, like, I grant, I grant, like, Majora's Mask is a Metroidvania, but I wouldn't describe it as one unless we were having a stupid discussion about genre being bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes. everyone knows that both things can be true. <laughs> yes. Um, Emrys has another question, but also answers the thing that I don't think anyone's going to have a better answer. What genre name is the least descriptive of the games it consists of? My thought is Immersive Sim, which makes me think of iRacing or DCS whenever I hear it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, There's uh, nothing uh, better than that. Uh, I, 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 I would say Bloober. Oh, Bloober. Yes, I, don't, I genuinely didn't know what a Bloober was. Are they Blubber, are they blubber or Bloober? Blubber. I don't know. It's Blobber. It's is Blobber. It blubber? Yeah. Pretty sure it's Blobber. Blobber, yes. Which is just a dungeon game right dungeon crawler just like the the late ultima games yeah first person are party-based <laughs> rpgs when, which in which the party is not des- described as a visual entity in the world so they, they gotta be first person when you like first read the question my first thought was walking simulators which i guess like might be closer to to that than um immersive sims but both of them kind of describe yeah. nothing about like what they like you know like if you were trying to describe what a walking yes. simulator is you're not going to mention the walking you're going to mention that you're like interacting with a space and learning about it in some way like so it's weird that that was what i mean i, I guess it originally is a derogatory term right so that might be why but well yeah. i mean yes if i had to describe what a walking simulator was to a normal person i have to be like right so in 2014 <laughs> Um, you know, we're just well, this, like a weird this is the thing with immersive sims is immersive sim is only it's just a it's just an RPG but PC nerds want to feel special like there's nothing there's nothing unique about the immersive sim 
That's, I mean, that's not true. Like, RPGs and immersive sims are very different. Eh, I not mean, really. Yes, immersive sims. Are. What's the difference between a Fallout and, like, a Deus Ex, really, ultimately? You can't, like, use a potion in any way that isn't, like, the two things that a potions do. Yeah, they're, like, more restricted, but so what? That's th- that is the thing. That's the thing. That is literally the thing in an immersive sim is you can come up with solutions they didn't plan for because it's about creating states you can move between. Breath of the Wild is an immersive sim. Eh, I think it's fake. <laughs> I think immersive sim is the fakest of genres. I don't, I don't um, think that, like, I don't think that it's a good term, but, like, I definitely think that, like, that, that space of games does is, like, definitely separate from, like, like, you know, you can. I don't even know. How, I don't know how to add to what Jackson said. I just felt like jumping into defender immersive sims, even though I hate the term. If yeah, it's, if it's about if it's about, game, if it's about the emergent interactions of systems, then Minecraft is immersive sure. sim. Yes, but I think the immersive sim people would disagree with you if I said that. Yeah, but that's because they comes- they mean looking glass games like the cool, uh, you know, uh, intelligentsia PC games of yesteryear that nobody likes. I mean, no, I mean, Metal Gear is is and always has been an immersive sim because it's like designed. for Yeah, I just don't think the people who care about immersive sims would agree with you. I, I know. I, I, I don't, they're not in the room right now. I, because I think I think immersive sim is a genre that arises entirely out of trying to exclude the games they don't like from the games they do. When in actuality, Deus Ex is just a shooter with a lot of RPG mechanics. Um, like you're not wrong, but I, I think it is about the like systemic spatial interactions. The uh, what's a what's a systemic spatial interaction that other games don't have? Like this is just like this is just like adding pretense. Doom no. has has systemic spatial interactions. Doom isn't a game about like stacking grenades on a wall to get up to a thing, and that being like a valid and interesting. Like here, oh here you go. Here's one for you. Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts is an immersive sim. <laughs> I just think it's pointless. So like, I'm I'm so, sorry. Sorry. I was gonna say, so like, here's my question, right? Because here's how I've always thought about it, and I don't know. Like, I mean, I've asked a lot of people this if they think this is fair or not, but like, I'm asking you now. Um, when I think of how we talk about game genres, besides horror, which is like the only one we don't really do this with, like. When we talk about movie genres, we talk about like the the aesthetic qualities, the 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 tone and the the feelings that they're trying to evoke. And then when we talk about video game genres, we're talking about like comparatively like the cinematography and like the the like the the ways that we we the viewer engages with the the thing that is actually the genre of a movie, right? I think the thing here is that like games like what I want materially are different in a way like from each other in a way that movies often are not. We're like, this does exist in movies. It's like, I'm watching a short film. I'm watching a mini series. I'm watching an animated film. Those are how game genres operate. Uh, it's just that 99% of the movies people watch are, you know, 80 to 120 minute long single narrative films. Uh, so it just, no one thinks about adding an excluder unless it's something different than that. Hmm. Um, I do think that movie genres can like uh, adventure movie right and noir are like I think noir is how game genres are described and that is that describes like an affectation of camera work and tone yeah that's and, true. Like, cinema in a way that is not true of like a lot of movie genres which just describe the type of story happening 
Musical yeah. also, I think, would fit this. Yes, musical is another one of these. Um, so I do, I do think like both of these modes exist in 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 film, and just, you know, we just settle into calling things in a certain way because language is never consistent about anything. Yeah, there was a I forget I forget um, what this was in, but there was a video where someone was like, "Sci-fi is the thing that you mean when you say sci-fi," and what? Like sci-fi is the thing that you're thinking of when you say sci-fi, and the only way to to, to have that conversation after that is, you know, like. I say sci-fi and you say like, oh, you mean like, you know, whatever science fiction thing, like The Expanse. And I say, yeah, like The Expanse. And then, yeah. then we can have a conversation. But like beyond before that point, oh, okay. when I say okay. when I say sci-fi, I'm not thinking of Star Wars. Yes. This is the, this is my de- definition of sci-fi. Um, I see. I, I was like, that just that just means the same thing. But I realize now that the, it meaning the same thing yeah. was the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, generally, I, that's my, my, my metrovanias is what you think of when I say metrovanias. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, genre's fake. People can write in. Abnormal Mapping Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> that's true. Um, next month, we are playing Resident Evil, the original. Um, we're going to have some guests, I think, maybe, probably. Um, that's still up in the air, so I'm not going to say who they are. I think there there, there could be two. Could be one. We'll see how it we'll most see. shakes out. Um, we are both playing the PlayStation version. I've also already completed the remake again because I've played I will not like 10 be times. finishing the remake. I may load it up for 25 minutes. Jackson will be at least watching a video of the remake uh, to know what I'm talking about when I talk about Lisa Trevor stuff. Um, yes, I'll, I'll be familiar, but I am a baby. The remake is yeah. very scary to me. <laughs> Um, I've never actually completed the original Resident Evil, despite being a big Resident Evil fan. I just, I got in when Remake came out, so it kind of, like, changed my whole relationship with Resident Evil is where it starts with the remake. Um, but, um, uh, that'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Um, that'll be in February. Um, I think that's everything. So, um, I guess it is time for plugs. Ember, would you like to plug anything? Um, yeah, you can check out, um... YouTube or Twitter uh, at Ember Hext. I might not have a YouTube video out uh, right when this video comes out, depending, but uh, it's coming out very shortly. So, my first video. Okay, yeah, this will be out on Tuesday, I yeah. believe. Hey, everyone, it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Jackson. Yeah, you can find me at Headfuls Off on Twitter and co-host and wherever else is alive at any given time. Um, and you can find the podcast that I do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, and also a new one that's not at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, over at Export Audio, uh, exportaudio.io slash anomalous, I'm doing Anomalous Readings, which is a sci-fi podcast about sci-fi books. Defined as uh, what you think sci-fi is. When I think of sci-fi, I think of Cohen Cambria. What's that? I don't, I don't do a podcast about that. I don't know what you're talking about. Cody and Cambria, definitely sci-fi. Unfortunately, no one does a podcast about Cody and Cambria. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't just tell you what you... Molly will be on every single other one of the podcasts we do before we next do a fucking average score episode. That might actually be true. Um, anyway... <laughs> that's a bad organization. Uh, but yes, uh, we just did an episode on the... Uh, our first episode was on... Uh, the the Horace Heresy Warhammer book, uh, the first one, whatever it was called, Horace Rising. Um, 
I think it was a really good discussion. I'm very proud of that podcast. Uh, we're next reading The Demolish Man, uh, classic sci-fi from back in the day. Uh, I intend and hope for the podcast to have a very broad definition of what sci-fi is because it started out with Nora doing a Star Wars licensed book podcast uh, a couple of years ago. And let me tell you, reading too many Star Wars books in a row will make you want to die. So... I was like, to solve this, I want the, the genre spectrum to be broad. We can, we can pick in a broad spectrum and we won't get sick of anything. Uh, and so far, it's looking good. Very proud of that one. I really hope people listen. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. Uh, you can support all of our podcasts on Patreon, patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, for $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We're currently watching Seed Destiny, which we have had a very miserable time watching. Uh, but we're watching Our Battler Dunbine, which has been good. Um, honestly, come for Dunbine and skip the Seed segments, because I wish I could. Save yourself. Um, for $5, you get Blockbusters, where we watch a big Hollywood movie uh, every month. We're about to do an episode in Titanic. We're going to have guests come through. We've got Neve and Autumn and Molly. Um, and it'll be a great time. I think that podcast is going to be a hoot. Um, and for $10, you get VoIP Life, where we, uh, every two weeks, show up and goof off. We recently had Molly on, uh, spent two hours going through a letterbox list, not letterbox, a uh, backlog list of letter or backlog trying to do their own Sight and Sound 100 video games as we continue to try to find what game we want to pick for our 10th anniversary. We have no good answer. I don't think we're going to do anything, as I continue to say. But we have some ideas on stuff we do want to do. So it was it was fun to tease some of that out also we'd cover a lot of those games on there it was really surprising how many we'd done um i think that says something more about our taste as it aligns with the backlog list because there's definitely a sight and sound you could make if you were like pc gamer that would be like we'd have like five percent coverage um but that's it uh thank you um for listening uh ember thank you for coming through this was great thank you for having me here um, and uh, we will be back next month. Goodbye.